Hello, and welcome to My Story, His Story, Our Journey. This is Miss Mary here, just thanking everybody for tuning in today for the second part of our journey with James and Jesus. So I hope you've enjoyed the first one. And again, I would like to remind everybody to please, if you're on Spotify, hit the bell and have it to notify you every time an episode appears. If not, just remember to tune in on Tuesdays. And also, please share this podcast with anyone you know may enjoy being able to just listen to the Word of God as they work out, clean, or even just to start their day out in the morning, just being prepared with uh, God's Spirit in our mind and our hearts to set us out for the beginning of a new day. Again, thank you for joining me, and I'll see you in my part of the story. Thank you for joining me in my part of the story. So again, as I'd said last week, we are starting a journey with James We're going through the book of James to see what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has to say through James about how we should live and conduct our lives. And again, as I'd said last week, I really, really believe that this is so much more important now than it's ever been. I mean, the Word of God is always God's Word and important in our lives for for correction and instruction and to edify and to build up the church and and even to chastise us to convict us through his holy word of things that we are doing that he does not want us to do that we need to do better to be able to better represent Jesus Christ through us but as we can see the times that we're living in now it just seems like revelation is coming closer and closer in clear plain view and sight of what's going on in the world today and we really need to examine our hearts and our minds are we prepared are we prepared if Jesus was to come back tomorrow or this week or next month Are we prepared to face him and stand before him and be able to say we did all that we could do for the glory of God to be able to reach those around us with the word of God? And as we reach out to people around us with our faith and with the message of the gospel of Christ and with the message that they're a sinner, they have to have naturally the bad news before we can tell them the good news that Christ died for their sin Um, and the world is not receiving that message very good right now they've really never received it really well but as the time draws near you can see they receive it less and less so here James is really reminding us of our life. He's reminding us as we live this life and live this way as a believer, if we live out our faith that you know we will receive persecution, we will fall under uh, you know ridicule from people and 
he's encouraging us in our life that as times and trials and persecution come to know that it does work together for good. It works together to our good and to glorify God. And uh, he's just trying to help us understand how we should conduct our life. So naturally in chapter one, we talked about that you know, to consider it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations or trials, and uh, it works together for patience and for steadfastness. And so that's hard sometimes, you know. It's hard to believe that I should count this trial a joy. And But if you really believe God and you believe His Word, then you should be able to believe that what He is doing in your life or what is happening in your life is not caught him by surprise and whether he is doing it or if the world is doing it or Satan is in control of it it does not matter because he will eventually work it out to your good and his glory just as he promises so we also have to stand fast on those promises that he's given us for us to even have that joy in our hearts to be able to say I don't understand it I don't know why I'm experiencing this. I do not know why I'm going through this. But I do know that ultimately in the end of this, it is going to be for my good and God's glory. So now we're moving into uh, chapter 2 of the book of James. And we're further going to be taught about how we should conduct ourselves in the house of God and around God's people. And I think this is very important too because as we reach out to others... And maybe even as others seek out God's face because of everything that is going into this world uh, and going happening right now that we're all experiencing, you know, these people may come. You could invite people more to church now than ever before because some are at least open to trying to figure out about this Jesus or is the Bible true or is all of this happening because the Bible says it will happen. Like I said, we're going to either first face heavy persecution or we're going to be able to reach people easier. I think it's going to be one, you know, and maybe the other. Like, I think it's very clear cut almost more now than ever before. So, you know, when they come into the house of God, how should we treat them? How should we be around other believers in the house? They are our brothers and sisters in Christ if they're believers. And have we evaluated our minds and our hearts and examined ourselves to see how we even treat our own brothers and sisters in the house of God? And I think that that's very important too as we continue to take this journey with James so that we can be prepared for when people do come into the house of God, seeking God's face, trying to understand that we know how to conduct ourselves as godly people in his house and for his honor and for his glory. So I'm looking forward to joining you over in his part of the story, a journey with James and Jesus in chapter two. And I will see you there. part of the story. So here we are on a journey with James and Jesus. 
And I know that you know by now Jesus has gone on to be seated at the right hand of the Father, but never forget that Jesus is always with us. This may not be Jesus' words in red as he spoke while he was here on his earthly ministry, but these are certainly the inspired words from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that was given to James as he penned this letter. Now we know that we are in chapter 2, and the half-brother of Jesus, named James, is writing a letter to the Jewish Christians, to the churches. So this will be addressing people in the body of believers. So this is very important to know and understand so that we can understand how important it is for us to listen to these words. Because these words, like I said, are timeless. So that means that it is also being addressed to us in our day and age. So as James speaks here to the believers that congregate inside of the church, he is also speaking and reaching into the minds and the hearts of the believers of today. So let's start reading here in James chapter 2 verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to a poor man, You stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now I'm going to stop right there. Now I know this probably sounds a little familiar to you because I have addressed this particular uh, chapter and those verses in another episode and I'm trying to remember which episode it was that God had laid that on my heart. But I want you to see this in its complete context also in the book of James because remember he was first telling us how we need to consider trials and things that happen to us to consider it joy knowing that that it's going to work toward our patience and it's going to be for our good and God's glory and he says you know if we're having a problem to go to God and ask him and he will give it to you but do not be a double-minded man because he is unstable in all his ways. So think about everything that's being said. James is definitely addressing the church and some situations that are going on in the church. Maybe not even necessarily problems, but just things that James needs them to know, either to help them be stronger, to help them be better. And that's what the Word of God should always be doing in our lives. So here, here, he is saying, as people come into the assembly, are you conducting yourselves in this manner? Now, I need every brother and sister in Christ as believers to listen carefully to what I'm about to say. And you already heard what God had to say. If you are out there and you are not a believer and you're still hanging in there with us, you're still trying to see the heart of God and you're trying to see what Jesus and who this man is and what the believers, the true Christians are supposed to look like. Listen to what is being said. There is correction on the issue of partiality. 
Oftentimes, I've had people come to me and say that they tried to go to church, but they felt out of place. Now, we know that that could be some to do with their sin. It could be some to do with their conviction. But then I have known people that really did accept Christ as a young person, and the Lord draw them back to the church as they got older in their 20s and 30s. And yet they still tell me that when they get there, they just feel out of place. That should never be. Because if they are truly our brother and sister in Christ, how would God want us to treat our brother and sister in Christ? Well, the same as he told us to treat everyone. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you would have to ask, why is my neighbor or brother or sister in Christ that's actually in the assembly of God feel unloved? Oftentimes you'll hear people say that there are cliques, there are certain groups in the church. You'll find groups that group together, and it's okay that some people just have more in common than other people. Maybe you'll see the people that do a lot of the praising and the worshiping together because they spend time together as they uh, serve in that particular ministry or even teachers. Um, But it should never be as you walk into the church that you should know in your mind that I'm just headed for this direction or I'm headed for this particular pew where I'm always going to sit with these particular people. It should never be that you're not noticing the other brothers and sisters in Christ and do they look sad even if it's somebody you don't talk to on a regular basis if you see somebody you're like I don't know how long they've been going here but I don't remember their face or their name do you feel led to talk to them do you feel led to introduce yourself to them are you looking at the outside of their apparel and they just don't fit in with the group that you normally hang with and so you don't show them any more knowledge or love. I mean, like I said, you can't even live the life in a solid, strong relationship with Christ just four hours a week. So think about it. What if that person that comes into the body only feels loved inside the house of God? Maybe that's the only love they ever receive. I think of two gentlemen that just happens to be passing through that from the state of New York as they're traveling through that just happened to come into our assembly and and my thought is is how many of our people reach out to them just to talk to them just to make them feel important just to show them the love of Christ and that they're welcome in this house with these believers how many went out of their way or did they look a little rough did they look a little like well they don't talk the same as us because they're from New York um did you even try my question with that is is why not are you just in a hurry to get back home to the same routine you do every day or every night What if that was the last time that person was on this earth? What if that was the last chance that God gave you to meet that person that he made in his image? Are we guilty of partiality? 
I'm not talking about it being okay that you have a tendency to be with a particular group. What I'm saying is, is do you go outside of your group to know anybody else? Do you ever recognize anybody else? Do you ever tell anybody else in that body of believers, hello today? How are you? Have you even noticed because you're in such a tight group that somebody has been gone for four or five Sundays and hasn't even been there? It doesn't even matter to you whether they do or they don't. You have to ask yourself that question. Because here, the half-brother of Jesus is reminding us of one of the greatest commandments that Jesus gave about love. That if you do not, and you are a person that has the sin of partiality in your life, and you are just partial to those that are the upper class, those that are the pillars of the church, those that are the leaders in the church, if you are partial to them and them only, then you have now fell into a category where it says you've become judges with evil thoughts. And that's sad. That's scary because there's no place for evil thoughts in the body of Christ. So let's move on. So he says, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme and dishonor the name of which you were called? Now you got to remember back in this time, it was the elites. It was the Pharisees, the high hierarchy, the Sanhedrin and the Roman leaders. And it was the rich people that persecuted God's people. It was even the Jews that set themselves apart in a sense of being a hierarchy that they wouldn't even have anything to do with the Samaritan. And, you know, you can think about the good Samaritan and how he retched out. You know, Jesus showed mercy. Jesus expects if his Holy Spirit is inside of you that you should do the same. You should show mercy to those that need help, those that are not as well off, those that may not smell as good as you. Yes, I'm going to go there because I'm going to be directly honest. I need you to think about it. Is there people in your congregation comes to your mind right off the bat if I even mention those particular aspects and what is the very next thought behind it does it have anything to do with love or mercy when you think of it you know Jesus says father forgive them for they know not what they do and I think of this topic and I think of how guilty we can all be at different times on a subject like this do we know what we're doing He reminds them 
they are not are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name in which you were called they were the ones that enjoyed the mockery that enjoyed making Jesus feel like he was less than nothing not of importance only a man from Galilee nothing good could come from that area or Nazareth verse 8 if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures you shall love your neighbor as yourself you're doing well But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become transgressors of that law. So speak and so act as though who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So he's reminding us here, we are all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. If you cannot fulfill one part of the law, what makes you think you can fulfill any of the law? And by the way, if you live by the law, so shall you be judged from that law. So when Jesus says, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind, and then love others as you love yourself, these are the two new commandments. Are you loving them? If you show partiality, if you have no use for that person, you have no time. You have time to talk or address the people that's always there and always around you but no time to just take a few moments out of your way to introduce yourself to somebody that wouldn't always quite fit in your circle. Are you loving them? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, notice he's still talking about clothes. He's still talking about the situation in which these people could be in. He's reminding us, just because you say you have faith, but yet you have no works, you, you don't act out on it. If you have faith, then you have love. And if you have love, love acts out. Love reaches out. Love always will. Love will always conquer. Are you okay? You look sad today. Where have you been? Do you need anything? Now, I do want to take a minute and say this. Sometimes, sometimes there is people that will take advantage of God's people in the church. They only come into the church because they particularly want something from God's people. 
and it's okay to share that love and to show them but if it's a repetitive thing then naturally we have to use good stewardship of God's money and there's people set in our church to uh, guard and to be sure that it is not being manipulated or taken advantage of and the same goes for you as an individual you have to balance out and you have to be led by the Holy Spirit of God listen to that again you need to be in touch and you need to know how to be in touch with the very Spirit of God that lies inside of your heart and soul to know when to assist and give and when maybe to hold off and wait because someone could be manipulating you or taking advantage of you but the Holy Spirit is very good are you in tune with the Holy Spirit can you know based on prayer reading studying the Word of God listening to this person's needs knowing something about them and their background and what is going on in their life as to whether you should or or shouldn't give I'm not asking you to be out there to be taken advantage of what I'm saying is and what God is saying is is with the very Holy Spirit of God in your heart do you have a love for other people and other people's situations and other people's needs Are you listening to the Holy Spirit of God when he lays somebody on your heart that has a need? Are you reaching out to that person? Do you have a work? Is there any works? Do you just say, oh, I love people. God tells me to love others as I love myself. Well, one, we need the Holy Spirit of God for that too. Just like we couldn't save ourselves from the law, we can't save ourselves from that because it's very hard to love someone when you love yourself because you get up every morning and make sure you're fed. You get up every morning making sure you're taking care of yourself or whatever your needs may be. But do you get up every morning with the thought of a person in your mind that you know is in need and is going through a very tough time, but yet you cannot even offer to meet that need? If it does not have works, it is dead. Love will act. God so loved the world. He gave. He had an action. He did something. Verse 18. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. So again, he's saying, Well, you can tell me your faith. And you can try to show me your faith. But... I'm going to show you my faith from my works. There's a lot of saying, but doing requires more effort than saying and professing. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe. Now, when you hear just that statement there, following that up, He's clearly saying, just because you say you're a believer or a Christian, you have this faith. He says, well, you do well to believe. (laughs) He says here, even the demons believe and shudder. Like, you can believe there is a God, 
But that doesn't mean you have the Holy Spirit of God in you that lives through you and shows love to people. That's what Jesus did. He lived on this earth and he showed love and compassion to people and mercy. So is he living through you? The demons know that there's a God and they even shudder. They're fearful of him. But what does that mean? Verse 20, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And again, you don't work to get salvation. After you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God enters your soul and body. He will love through you. He will reach through you. He will have mercy through you. You are the temple that he now resides in. Because you can't even get all that you can't even get all that glory. That glory goes to God too. I've told people before, what you see in me that's good, you better give God the credit. Because without that presence of his Holy Spirit in my heart, I can be one selfish person. And I believe if you would examine your heart and you would tell the truth about yourself, so can you. And maybe you are being right now. Maybe you're suppressing the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't even have the Holy Spirit at all. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And then he gives an example. Was not Abraham our father justified by his works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see, that person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Listen to that carefully. If the body is apart from the Spirit, if you are not containing the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, you've not been born again, you are a dead man walking. You will be very self-centered. You will be very selfish. You will live the life that our natural-born hearts will live. And yes, you can be somewhat of a good person. Like I said, you can make the best cookies. You could even give some people. You can offer things to people and give. I know people that give things and give things and, and give things. And still has no understanding from the Word of God. Which would show that they have the Holy Spirit of God in them. Because they can learn the scriptures through the Holy Spirit because he teaches them so it's not always every single thing you do there is markings to show that you are a true believer 
and they are giving you examples. James is giving you examples of a few. Love, mercy. Do not commit the sin of impartiality. Do not. These are people that are made and created in God's image. And then if they're inside the house of God and you know they've accepted Christ as their Savior, they are your brother and sister in Christ. Who would treat their brother and sister in Christ as if I don't even know you? And I don't really care to know you. Do we take it serious when God says, this is your brother, this is your sister, this is the family in which I've left you with? Abraham, it was considered to him as righteousness because he acted on it. He acted on his faith. So now we see in chapter one, this is what can happen with a faith-filled gospel preaching true believer. The storms of life will come up against you. The trials will come up against you. Anything could come up against you, but he can still use it to good and he can mold you and make you into exactly what he wants if you just trust him. Chapter two, you're in the house of God. How how are you handling people? If people decide, I just need to know more about this Jesus, I see that there is something. It's like, why do they hate Jesus on TV so much? Why do they hate Christians so much? If somebody comes into the house of God, can they tell a difference between the people that sit in those pews? Other than they can sing a good song, they can praise, or they can be happy. But do they see any difference in you whatsoever? Do you look different from the average people that they pass in a grocery store or out in the street in the parking lot? Is there something that stands out about you that just shouts, you're loved, you're welcome, you're needed? Well, I'm going to end there with the very end of chapter 2 of James. And I would ask that we would all examine our heart examine the times that maybe we have done this ask God to forgive us and if you see those people ask them to forgive you but as we invite people as we bring people into the church body those that are less fortunate than us those that um, that we feel for whatever reason may be different from us embrace them the way Jesus would embrace them do you enjoy allowing Jesus to use your body and your mind and your heart to love people. Does it make you happy to know that Jesus just made that person happy through you? Let us all pray, examine our hearts, and ask God to give us a heart of flesh, a heart of love and grace and mercy that He has for Him to take over our hearts and our minds and to show people around us the true love that Christ offered and demonstrated while he was here. Well, I'm going to stop there, and I will see you in our part of the journey. Thank you for joining me in our part of the journey. So, 
I hope that you've learned something from chapter one and we can see a complete different avenue in chapter two. But I think as we go along, you'll see an overall view of what it is James is really trying to teach the believer. Um, what I'm going to do today in our part of the journey is read a little part here. I really love this reading about the summary of the book of James in, from the Pursuit Bible. And it says here, book of James, summary meaning an application. Now, I'm only going to read a part of it. But it says, the book of James is an important book in the Bible. Throughout history, people have had different opinions on what it means. And if a few have even said that it is not helpful for Christians to study. Because of this, James has sometimes been misunderstood, misused, and neglected. In this article, we will examine what the Epistle of James is about and summarize its teachings so we can apply it to our lives. The book of James explains how to receive wisdom from God's Word. Wisdom from God's results in a life that is fruitful even in the face of hardship. James applies the teachings of Jesus, especially the Sermon on the Mount, to everyday life. It explains what a life of obedience to Christ looks like. One of the keys to understanding the book of James is, is that it is an application of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught. James is not just about trying to get to heaven when you die. The biblical gospel is living as people of God's kingdom now, not just in the future. Grace release power to live every day as people of God's kingdom. James and the Sermon on the Mount is not a call to try to live a better life. It describes God's kingdom, not man's wisdom. It's not a band-aid for a broken or hurting world. It's an entirely different way of looking at the world. It requires repentance to see God yourself and the world differently. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7 is not just a good set of morals that you can try to live by. It's impossible because the kingdom of God cannot be entered into by man's efforts. The goal of both the book of James and the Sermon on the Mount is the same, to be perfect and complete as the Father in heaven is perfect. To be perfect does not mean that you never sin, 1 John 1, 8 through 10. It means that you will be complete in Christ. The goal is not to be become spiritual child, but to be fully mature in Christ. The call of the gospel is, mu- is so much higher than the grace of God, so much greater than, the, than we can ever imagine. The good news is not only that you can go to heaven when you die, if you believe in Jesus, the good news gets even better. The gospel is an invitation into a life in God that is impossible by man's efforts or works. But God gives us his grace. Grace is not an excuse to live however we want. Grace is the empowerment on your heart to live out the good news that Jesus preached. It's a glorious gospel. 
James describes God's vision for your life, to go from drifting and being tossed to and fro by the wind and the waves to receiving God's true wisdom. This is God's vision for your life, and it will bring you into the fullness of Christ. James is a call to perfection or complete completeness in Christ. It's a call to action, to obedience to Christ out of the love and to patient endurance unto faithfulness. The gospel is sometimes misunderstood in its very limited sense of being in Jesus so our sins can be forgiven and go and you can go to heaven. The gospel is much more than that. The gospel is not trying harder to live for Christ. It's nothing less than a new spiritual birth. John 3, 3. Until you are transformed into the image of Christ, it can never be entered in through trying to live a better life in your own strength. This can only be received through the repentance and the faith in Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ results in a righteousness that is way beyond the surface of what is often understood as religion. It's a true relationship with the living God. Following Christ is not trying to improve your life or try to live by a set of moral standards. The Christian life is to count your life as crucified with Christ. It's to live in the newness of life of who Jesus is. I loved that reading. I can't tell you how many times I have said that over and over to people. It is a relationship. James reminds us in chapter 1 how we can be tossed to and fro because we're not relying on the word. We're not listening to what God's promises are to, are to us. He knows we'll be under attack. He knows we'll have these problems. He knows we're going to go through trials. But God has given us the answer through his word. And we can only rest on those promises with the strength of the Holy Spirit and through Jesus' beautiful gospel, the truth. We have to trust him. Chapter 2 speaks of our natural ability to sin and to be use the sin of impartiality and be impartial toward this person or that person. And it kind of shows you a, a very the quick view of how ugly we can actually be, even to those that we call our brothers and sisters in Christ. He also talks about faith. And it's dead without works. It's assurance that you don't work for salvation. But he's saying, but with Jesus in you, you have a new life, a new heart, a new desire. We should be seeing those works through you because that's what Jesus should be doing through you. So again, let's just trust in his promises. Let's repent from the sin of partiality if you've been involved in it let's embrace those that come into the house of God let's embrace our brothers and sisters in Christ and let us reach out to people that we haven't even talked to before just for them to know that we love you we love you we're aware that you are here we're aware that you are important we are aware that 
You were made in God's image. I think often how scary it could be to deliberately try to hurt or push aside one of the people that God had created. It's still his creation. Do you love what he loves? Or are you just loving yourself? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the book of James, for your very spirit speaking through James to tell us of the things that we need to have faith in, the things that we need to change, the works that we need to do, the works that we need to allow you to work through us and accomplish. Help us, Father. Forgive me if there's times that I've showed um, partiality to people. I do love people. I love people around me. It does not matter. It doesn't matter what they look like, how much they have. I love them. I care for the lost out in this world that are just wreaking havoc with sin. I pray that you would reach them. Your Holy Spirit would change their hearts just as you changed mine. Lord, I know there's probably been times that I have been partial to people. And I pray that that's not true now, Lord God. I pray you would forgive me and and, and just bring it out to my knowledge and, and show me in my heart with conviction if that is true and what is happening in our house at our church. I would pray that it is not. I pray for all of those out there as people may it one day start to flock to the church, reaching out for Christ, that we would look like you, that we would be showing them who you are and allowing you to reveal yourself through us if we could only be obedient to your word and to your promises. Thank you for touching our hearts. Thank you for helping change our minds and mold us into your image through this word. We thank you. We love you. But most of all, we appreciate that you would go to a cross and die for us. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. And I pray that you have received something through this message. And I would pray that you would reach out to someone and share it with them. I will see you next Tuesday on My Story, His Story, Our Journey.